are you surprised that Roblox didn't want to engage with the creators of the video yeah. when they are being called yeah. abusive of child labor? I mean, that doesn't really prompt you yeah. and make you want to work with someone. Yeah, no. It alienates. To be honest, I couldn't even like watch the whole video because like I do objective analysis as my day job in general. It just felt like a very, very prejudiced video in general. Welcome, dear listener, to the 30th roundtable of the Navic Metacast. I'm Nico, I'm your host today, and today I'm joined by Devin Becker. We have Abhimanyu Kumar and Jonathan Ras Fritman. Today, we plan on discussing first the big news of this week, Take Two buys Zynga. Second, um, I've been doing a bit of a, a, a deep dive into um, the Roblox controversy um, around Roblox supposedly exploiting young game developers. And then optionally, if we have some time left after those two topics, which might become long ones, uh, we'll discuss OpenSea with their big raise of last week. Well, it actually happened a bit, bit earlier. Um, and then you know, more on NFT marketplaces. And then finally, we're doing a bold prediction about mergers and acquisitions in 2022. So uh, let's see what our um, yeah, what our panelists come up with. But first, uh, I'm trying to redo introductions for all of our panelists because it's been a while since we've done those. And I've heard from some people that recently started listening, like, I have no clue who that person is. And it's different. Like, it's difficult to know uh, what they're coming from when they talk. So let's do that. So we have one new voice. We have Devin. Devin is... Uh, pretty cool because he's very active in our Discord and we're, we've been chatting about blockchain and games, so I like him already. Um, anyway, he's joining us now. So Devin, welcome and uh, feel free to to give a, a short intro of yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm kind of a longtime game designer. I'm one of those perpetual hobbyist ones as well as uh, dabbled in pretty much making games for any new technology that comes out, whether it was, uh, you know, door games back in the day, uh, that flash games, web games, mobile games, now blockchain games. Um, so just a big fan of, of the intersection between design and technology, um, which is what brings me here because I think uh, there's lots of hot new topics in that regard now. So very excited about the future as well as skeptical, pessimistic, all of the above at the same time. Right. Awesome. Welcome. Um, Manu? Yeah. Uh, you, good to be back. Uh, it feels like it's been a while since uh, I've come onto the show. So, you know, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, good to, uh, you know, do this in the first month of the of the year. Um, yeah, uh, my full name is Abhimanyu, but I, I generally go uh, by Manyu uh, in the industry. Uh, that's just the easier name for everybody. Um, and I'm one of the co-founders of uh, Navic. And um, yeah, generally have a background in, you know, mobile free to play. Uh, have been wanting to work in the games industry since I was a kid. Uh, and yeah, continuing to realize that passion uh, today and through Navik. So, yeah. That's awesome. Welcome back, Manu. Thank you. And also thank you because this whole thing wouldn't exist <laughs> without Manu because uh, they were interested in also next to the uh, Master of the Meta newsletter also launch a podcast. And that's that's where I came in. Um, and then next we have Mr. Metaverse, Mr. Roblox, uh, Jonathan, Russ Fritman yes. or Jan. Jan. Hi, everyone. Great to be back. Uh, Happy New Year. Someone told me you can say Happy New Year until January 15th, so we got a few more days. All right. Um, you know, kicking off excitingly for the year, I'm Jan, super social founder and CEO. We're um, building a, really a kind of a unique developer and publisher for metaverse experiences, initially focused on the Roblox platform. And really um, sort of what we've been building over the last 18 months is an incredible organization that merges industry veterans with this uh, rising new generation of creators that uh, grew up on a platform like Roblox, uh, and you know a, 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 a proud speaker ahead on on the MetaCast and enjoying being here with this wonderful audience. Awesome! And you enjoyed speaking here so much that you also decided to start your own podcast. Yes, that is true. I thought that MetaCast is doing such a great job, and it gave me more appetite. So I I started another podcast called Into the Metaverse, where we really focus only on the metaverse and bringing speakers from different areas to uh, talk about the emergence of the metaverse as a platform and what it means for businesses. And we're doing that with Bloomberg Intelligence. And so, yeah, um, a lot of podcasting is, is going around, but I think you guys have given me the first opportunity. So I'm grateful and appreciative and 
and excited about uh, some of the conversation we'll have in 2022. Sir, please remember us when you're like, you know, together with Matthew, Matthew Ball, the <laughs> reference on the metaverse. You know, everyone's going to be calling you. You're going to be on TV all day telling everyone how this stuff works. This is all fun. Um, My good. day job right. is building a company, but this is definitely great to meet and talk about the space. Yeah. And, you know, if the yeah. listeners haven't checked out Jan's new podcast, I would highly recommend it. I'm, I'm a regular listener. So, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys. means a lot. Finish this episode first, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's um with that let's dive in. Um I have one more thing so last week I already mentioned we're interested in finding uh potential, you know, helpers on the podcast and if you're interested in in doing what I do today which is hosting this um yeah, feel free to to give me a shout. You can find me in our Discord or at um Nicola this with with an S at the end. Nicholas at uh, Metacast. Uh, no, at navig.co, and you can reach me there, and then uh, we, we can talk. Um, let's dive in. So first topic of the day, Take 2 buys Zynga. So on Monday, I think this dropped. Um, and so Take 2 is to acquire all outstanding shares of Zynga for a total value of $9.86 uh, per share, um, implying an enterprise value of $12.7 billion, which implies a 64% uh, premium. And so on the news, Zynga's stock jumped 40% um, from $6 to around 9 and Take-Two's stock took a 16% hit. So um, I don't have more to say about this, but I'm, I'm, I'm eager to learn um, what you guys thought of this and um, also why you know, uh, Take-Two is paying nearly $13 billion for Zynga. Uh, Manu, I'll let you go first. All right. I mean, well, you know, Talk about starting the year with a bang. <laughs> this, mm -hmm. When the news dropped, uh, basically my Slack and, you know, various discords were absolutely lit up. Uh, so, yeah, pretty exciting news. Um, I guess uh, the first thought that came to my mind was, okay, when are we going to get Max Payne on mobile? I don't know if you guys have played Max Payne, uh, but it was like, I think it was... Um, yeah, definitely one of my most memorable games from my childhood. Uh, mm -hmm. And and yeah, so this this thing like got me pretty excited. But um, I guess that also kind of like dovetails into, you know, one of the key reasons uh, the acquisition is happening. I think Take-Two was uh, quite transparent about their reasoning and it felt quite honest also that, you know, um, essentially like uh, acquiring Zynga to basically find a way to put their IPs to use and bring those IPs to mobile. So that made a ton of sense to me and a couple of like other highlights about this deal. But uh, I think uh, Shanti Burgle from Transcend Fund, uh, he tweeted uh, he tweeted saying that it it is the biggest uh, gaming acquisition of all time, which was uh, which was pretty cool. And um, and yeah, basically now Take Two has a mobile games business. You know, it uh, they basically uh, yeah, it would essentially contribute to something close to fifty percent of their overall revenues now. Um, and and yeah, I'd, I'd probably just like start there. There's there's a lot of like good stuff uh, happening, and the deal makes uh, sense at least to me for a couple of reasons, especially the IP point. Um, but yeah, I still have the open question about you know, why would Zynga decide to sell, uh, which we can probably talk about. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Jan, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's actually a really good good point uh, that Manu is making. I, I think for me, it's less about why did Take-Two buy Zynga. It's more about why would Zynga sell. For Take-Two, they have proven themselves over many, many, many years um, in building exceptional IP, right? They have GTA, um, for example, which is by far one of the most successful titles in, in the history of video games. Uh, they are obviously able to build exceptional content on PC and, and console, but they haven't really managed to go into mobile. Um, and to a large extent, because mobile, it's a different beast, right? It's, it's a different way of operation, free to play. And so if I'm Take-Two, seems to me like a, an incredible strategic acquisition where overnight you have world-class capabilities in design, development, operations, and growth of mobile games, and access to not only a portfolio of experiences and games that Zynga owns that are lucrative, 
but also, and perhaps even more importantly, the capabilities, the operating capabilities of knowing how to design and build and operate and grow successfully games on mobile, especially as the landscape is ever more competitive. And so, and, and let alone Zynga's new division for blockchain gaming, which will give them access to that as well. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if really full autonomy is given to Zynga and they can operate that, or if, you know, mm. Strauss Zelnick will want to shut down any blockchain or metaverse aspirations, given that he already said something about the metaverse not really being a thing. Um, he didn't, I don't know if he referred to blockchain as well, but bottom line, very interesting, very strategic, you know, time will stay, time will tell if, if it was the right, uh, uh, the right amount of investment, if it's too expensive, less expensive. I think they're already talking that the combined entity uh, will have 6.1 billion in trailing 12 months pro forma net bookings for the period that ended 2021. Mm -hmm. So uh, obviously these are all savvy business people sitting at take two, uh, publicly traded. Strauss Zelnick is obviously a, a prolific investor and operator of take two over the past decade and a half. So it seems like they know what they're doing. Time will tell if it's if it's valuable. Maybe they're going to turn something that they purchased for 13 billion into something that is valued double that. Time will tell. But I think it's obvious that this was a very smart strategic acquisition just in terms of what Take-Two need to do. The more interesting question is why is that, why would Zynga get acquired? And I think from what I understand and from what I've seen, it seems like Zynga really have challenged have been challenged with building kind of new iconic IP from scratch. Um, and of course, they are very mobile centric. Um, and yes, of course, maybe they could be reinventing themselves for the metaverse and for blockchain, but uh, these are all very nascent spaces. And so it seems like the choice that the Zynga owners and the shareholders have made was, this is a great premium, <laughs> 60 something percent. This is a great premium. Mm -hmm. And they will have a significant skin in the game in a much, much bigger combined entity. And apparently they felt that the opportunity of selling to take two is more lucrative than trying to build, to turn Zynga from a eight, $9 billion company to a 25, $30 billion company and may not have had the strategic foresight of how to get there. So ultimately seems like a win-win, mm -hmm. um, definitely expensive on paper, but you know, let's, re let's reassess in, in five years time. But I love this acquisition for Take Two. I understand the acquisition from the Zynga side. Devin, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to expand a little bit on, I think, an area that hasn't really been touched on, which is not just mobile, but I think what they're acquiring them for also is their experience on live ops stuff and recurring revenue on games. Um, in my experience working with Ubisoft, one thing I learned is that uh, they really have trouble with these AAA, big AAA studios that are used to annual releases at most and things like that. Pivoting to doing live... Uh, game services where they really struggle on how do we continuously monetize this? How do we support it? Um, just even from like the top down in terms of how these structures work and how they structure the teams, how they pivot people between projects. Uh, they, they have to learn how to keep people on, how to monetize uh, in different ways. And I feel like Take-Two got a taste of GTA Online money and saw, you know what? Why are we not getting more recurring revenue? Why are we not doing things that allow <laughs> us to take this IP and extend it its lifetime mm -hmm. outside of just building sequels? And I think something like Zynga, they know how to do the, the long-term like uh, revenue from these things. The only thing that I question is their ability to to work with existing IP. So if you look at their portfolio of like uh, of mobile games, you're looking at like, uh, you know, Wizard of Oz slot machines or match three. Uh, like all their, all their IP that they've worked with is just turning movies into slot machine games or match three games. So uh, it, it's not that Take-Two hasn't had mobile games at all before, right? They did have mobile games ported, especially like the GTA games. They were always kind of ported by different companies and stuff like that. But what they don't have is the kind of games that are recurring revenue style games that aren't just premium uh, releases. And I think that's a big problem for them. We saw uh, EA do a similar acquisition, even though they have a little bit more experience, I think, with the live services. They picked up Glue back in February. And I think that was a similar kind of acquisition, a little bit less of a, of a number, but also a little less profile of a company than Zynga. So I think that's the big thing is that's that's what they're justifying the valuation off of uh, for this is seeing the long-term dollars and saying that like Zynga can help us make a lot more money off of each of these IPs instead of just 
pump and dump sort of thing. And I think that's a, a big deal for them as a company to pivot to that. Cause I think at this point, pretty much everyone, every AAA company has to see the writing on the wall and go, whether it's mobile, whether it's blockchain, whether it's some brand new technology, we need to start making more money from our games. What, one more thing I'd like to add is also that by doing this acquisition, I think Take-Two admits that they have not been successful in adopting mobile. And I want to kind of clarify an earlier point I made, which is when I talk about mobile, Devin, I fully agree with you. It's not just the design and development of mobile games. It's live operations, recurring revenue, mobile free-to-play is a whole kind of ecosystem of capabilities that you need. And I think Take-Two essentially paid premium because they recognize that they haven't been successful. They likely don't know how to do that. And I think it's a big bet and it's bold that they have acquired one of the biggest companies in mobile free-to-play. Um, you know, uh, you can imagine that if King was not acquired for six, $6.5 billion by Activision Blizzard several years ago, probably they would have acquired them now for 10 to $12 billion, right? So, so this seems like a, a really, really bold yet, yet totally makes sense kind of acquisition, given that they probably don't know how to adopt mobile free-to-play. And now there is other frontiers. And I think it's a TBD to see if Zynga as an autonomous division inside Take-Two is going to be able to not only build mobile free-to-play capabilities across the wider organization of the combined company, but also continue to push the envelope on the next frontier where gaming is going to thrive, primarily, you know, blockchain slash Web3 and, and the metaverse. And so um, let's see. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what do you guys think will be key in making this transaction successful? What, what do the, the management teams of both companies need to focus on and, and execute uh, successfully upon? Mani, what, what do you think? I think probably from Take Two's and so I mean Take Two is also uh, I mean the deal also uh, does mention that Zynga uh, is allowed to like keep their brand and essentially there would be Zynga and Take Two mobile games as you know these two mobile uh, revenue generating divisions. Uh, probably from Take Two's perspective, I would say yeah, the most important thing would be figuring out. Um, the culture fit aspect of it. Can these two entities, you know, actually work well together? Because if bringing PC console IP to mobile, um, it, I mean, definitely looks like the North Star for, uh, or yeah, North Star as uh, of their strategy. Um, there would be, uh, there would be just two very different groups of people, you know, having to work with each other and two very, uh, uh, two groups of people that, uh, have also historically not, uh, you know, uh, accepted uh, each other's business models uh, in in a in, in a large way, and like I said, you know, basically, I mean, Take Two has now just had its like king acquisition moment. You know, overnight it has now created uh, a mobile business for itself, uh, where previously, I mean, they did do a couple of other acquisitions like Social Point and Nordius, and I think one more, but only contributed to like 8% of their uh, total total revenue. Now, you know, with Zynga in the mix, it's somewhere in the 45 uh, to 50% range. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, gonna, it's clearly going to be a very, very important entity in the company. And therefore, Zynga's, Zynga's uh, arms are going to also be touching different parts of the company. And therefore, like, can these two entities work together to essentially like transition those IPs to those PC console IPs to mobile in the most valuable way long term for the entire company, I think that's going to be like one big question. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would say yeah, that would probably be like the one big thing both from Take Two's and uh, Zynga's end, and maybe one additional thing from Zynga's end, and this is more. Um, you know, going back to the question of why Zynga decided to get acquired is, um, will this acquisition change anything about Zynga's history of not being able to create new IP and new games, going back to Jan's point? Uh, I, I'm not able to like see a clear answer to that as yet. I mean, sure, like, you know, Take-Two does have, uh, does have that, uh, um, you know, track record in creating new IP, but they've also been uh, pretty dependent on two IPs uh, for the longest time when it comes to revenue. Um, 
but is there some kind of a synergy over there where you know take two's uh, old guard is you know helping zinga try to figure out how to create uh, new ip and new games uh, can take two's current ip actually help in that respect will that ip uh, will those ips like you know max pain or a gta uh, uh, will it will, will it's like creative ethos be respected in a free to play business model there there are like all yeah i don't know for me these are all like pretty important questions and i definitely know these questions do come up in the game development process uh, and when teams are working together so overall i would just say yeah there's like this the culture fit aspect would probably be a key thing for me mm-hmm. no i think i i mean reading kind of the announcement of the partnership i think there is some really smart choices right um first of all strauss delnick will obviously lead the combined company but i think if you look at what they're doing with the zinga leadership first of all they will oversee across the board across entity let's say mobile efforts so they're going to be tasked with not only growing the core zinga operations and the business but they would essentially oversee all mobile efforts as it pertains to the iconic ip that take two has if you ask me i think that's the biggest challenge how is that exactly going to work on a day to day how is that synergy of it's one thing that there is an a, a, an autonomy an autonomy for zinga division in day to day operation it's a whole different thing of how is the zinga leadership and management team is actually going to partner with the people who are driving the core ip of take 2 right if it's gta and others and red dead redemption and how is that relationship is going to work two different dnas um it's going to be really really interesting in my opinion to unlock the true value of the partnership this is this is where the rubber meets the road i think if zynga will only continue to operate well the core business of zynga i think you're going to see a solid uh maintenance and maybe incremental appreciation of the value of the company i think if they can really unlock effectively and scalably the ip of take 2 and bring it to mobile that's where i think the 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 value of zynga from 12 billion could double and triple over the next 5 years and i'm sure that that's what they had in mind when they made the acquisition mhm devin you'd like to add something Yeah, I mean I think what Manny said is is pretty good on point in terms of culture fit, but I think it's not just between the companies, it's also between the audiences. I think there's a pretty big difference between audiences of Take-Two's IP and audiences of Zynga's IP. It's I mean, I I'm kind of worried about them ending up with a Diablo Immortal kind of moment where you know they are like, "Oh, you know, say they're they're talking about, "Oh, let's bring Max Payne to mobile and it, you know, it's all just total laden with micro microtransactions, totally different type of game." um sort of think they can really really bungle that transition and that's why i was was trying to highlight zinga's ip handling is they don't have a proven track record of showing that they can make those kind of transformations that they can take something like if they were the developers of something like hitman go or some of these other ones where where they took an ip and they developed the mobile game around it and showed that that could be done in a way that you know sometimes works sometimes doesn't i'd have a little more faith in zinga to specifically do that but at the same time like obviously zinga brings a lot of behind the scenes expertise and they obviously have smart people there um but the fact that they have and handled their own IP as well um super great makes me a little concerned about their it is i think it's just going to come down to key personnel being able to manage that you know visionaries within the company that could say i have a great idea on how we can actually make that kind of transition and then letting them run with it but i also worry in these kind of situations especially with culture differences is loss of talent during these acquisitions right so you have a lot of people that are going to have to merge over if you read you know the press release they talk about the the cost savings by reducing removing all the redundancies as well so people are going to be losing their jobs over this uh for sure because they're doing this merger there's going to be a lot of redundancies talent's going to be let go whether or not that's key talent or not it depends but you're also going to probably see people cash out right people who were excited about the opportunity to to get back to the value that Zynga was when it first IPO'd finally comes back to that after this long slog where they were maybe sitting on that stock and all of a sudden they're like you know what now's my chance I'm out you might lose some key talent that way and that's my biggest concern if I'm take 2 that when I that what I'm buying is what I'm actually getting and that i'm not losing half of it just it during the purchase during the merger that's not even supposed to finish till 2023 less talent for mobile free to play more talent for metaverse and uh, web3 gaming never been a better opportunity boom exactly exactly um yeah man i'm i'm happy to have you guys with your super bright takes 
Love it. All right. So to conclude, I think one last question for Manu. Zynga builds a new mobile Max Payne game. Manu happy or not? Man, Manu very happy. Manu already asking when Max Payne mobile. <laughs> when Max Payne mobile. Got it. All right. Cool. Um, very well. Let's um, move on to the next topic. So Roblox supposedly exploits young game devs. You might have seen this if you're listening to this, but the channel called People Make Games has done some deep dives into Roblox and supposed exploitative business practices. They made a first video, I think around mid uh, last year, and then they made a follow-up video. Um, actually, and let me open the videos because I, they have a, the, the second one had a good name. The second video was called Robux pressured us to delete our video, so we dug deeper, uh, which was kind of clickbait, which is why I clicked on it in the first place. Anyway, it had some fair points, and I'm going to go through it now. It's, it's, it's pretty long. And so video one has concerns that from the moment that kids start playing, um, they're told that they could be the one. And so when I say playing, I mean playing on Roblox. Kids are told that they could be the one building the massive hit game. Um, and so if you go to the Roblox site and click on create, um, like the third step in the process is called earn serious cash. Um, however, the vast majority of the experiences on Roblox don't earn their creators anything. One reason for that is that discoverability is very bad. And the only way to increase or improve discoverability is to pay. Um, so basically kids make something and they want to, they want people to play their games. And the only way they can do that is start paying Robux, Roblox, uh, themselves. Um, and, and so that, that, that's one of the concerns raised. Um, next issue is that the minimum withdrawal is 100,000 Robux, which is valued or was valued. I don't know the exchange rate at around $1,000, which increases the chance of young developers just, I mean, making a bit of money and then end, end up spending that on the platforms anyway. Um, and then finally, when cashing out, those 100,000 Robux actually only net you $350. Again, increasing the chance that you keep it on the platform because those are more valuable there because you get less cash if you, if you cash out. Another concern raised was that the process of paying workers in company currency has been banned in almost all non-online industries. So this was a practice that they, they raised it on in the video. This was a practice in old mining industries in the US where you know big mining companies would pay workers in mining money um, and then they could use that to buy stuff in shops locally or at, at the, the mining facilities. Um, and so this was deemed illegal because it was for a bunch of reasons unfair towards workers. Yeah, so these are the main concerns. There's a few more, but it's gonna take me too long to go through. And so after, video, the, after the video went live, uh, Roblox removed the make serious cash thing from their website and they got in touch. So the people that made a video got in touch with the senior director of corporate communications who told them that some parts of the video one were incorrect and suggested that they took the video down. So that's that's the reaction from Roblox to that uh, video. They didn't take it super seriously. Then they made video two, which has a few other uh, new concerns. So one of the concerns is the fact that um, lots of young developers in Roblox are actually working for other kids. So they're a kid and they're working and they're working for another kid, which leads to a lot of, um, as you can imagine, I mean, if I was, let's say 12 years old and I had to employ someone, my God, that would have been an absolute mess. But anyway, all of that stuff is is almost not regulated or or even like, yeah, but by Roblox. Um, and so there's a lot of, lot of bad stuff happening there and the, they talk about that in video. And then one of the other things that they comment on is the Roblox collectible market which I find interesting. And so it's a place where collectibles with a limited supply are sold. Um, and once they're sold out initially, so they can have, have either a limited supply or a limited time that they can be bought in first, uh, so the first time. So after that, the items are only tradable on the secondary markets. And what I found crazy, Roblox takes a 30% cut on any any sale. Any sale. Any, oh, crazy. Anyway, um, and so the market, if you look at it, it shows like price stats and it's like, if you look at it, it basically looks like a real stock market. It looks very similar to a, like an NFT trading platform like OpenSea. But just knowing that it's, it's done by like, there's just kids on there. Sales are non-reversible. There were examples of kids getting hacked and, and their NF or NFTs, no, their Roblox items being sold <laughs> and them not being able to reverse that. <laughs> NFTs, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I've been in that yeah, world too much. Clearly. Um, anyway, and, yeah. <laughs> and then finally, there's no limits on how much users can spend. And parents can put on a spending limit, but that's not on by default. So they have to manually do that. So yeah, that's the, these are the, the main concerns. So yeah, I mean, we have one one Roblox dude here, the the, the Roblox guy. Jan, like, what were your first thoughts when you when you heard about this? 
is Roblox a perfect platform? No, no <laughs> platform is perfect. You want to give me one platform with two-sided marketplace of users and creators that is perfect. It, it doesn't exist. All right. So let, let's just start with that. Obviously, it's more sensitive because we're talking about young people. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Roblox has done something that at scale, no one has done ever. They created a marketplace where kids can build things and make money. That is obviously sensitive, but it's also the first time that anyone has created a commercial platform where kids can make money. Now, I think a a key question is, is it Roblox's job to create all the guardrails and try and create regulation of how those transactions are happening and how it happens in every single country that that to me would be a bit of a, a bit of a stretch. I don't think it's Roblox's job as a company to create the regulation and figure out everything. I think Roblox should probably work with regulators and countries and in 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 making sure that these the, the platform is safe. I know that Roblox is making a lot of effort in terms of trust and safety and civility on the platform. Um, but they have unleashed something that never existed. They have democratized the ability to create digital products and monetize them while you are basically a kid. Could be a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old. And that is really profound. So, you know, I think, is it going to, is it perfect? No. Are there going to be issues? Yes. Um, And so I just wanted to start with that sort of high-level statement just to recognize what Roblox created. It's never been done before. Sure, other people created some companies where kids can make some money. No one has created a platform where millions of mm-hmm. kids around the world can make money and employ other kids. It's a completely new frontier. But I also think, hey, get used to it. This is part of the future. There are kids who are 15-year-olds who sold NFTs mm-hmm. for millions. How is that going to be different? And then there's going to be an NFT marketplace where kids can make NFTs and sell it to other kids. And then we're going to ask exactly mm-hmm. the same question. Oh, wait, wait, wait. How do we do that? How do we protect... So this is this is not a perfect world. I think we need to recognize that what Roblox has done is pretty mm-hmm. remarkable in building an economy where people can make money already while they're 15, 14, 16. And I think that's pretty profound. I can tell you, and I cannot vouch for others, but I can tell you at Super Social, we take things seriously. We don't employ kids. We don't interact with kids on a professional basis. Um, I think that the youngest person we've ever employed was 17 and a half plus, and we got the guardian, the legal guardian, the parent to sign on the employment uh, agreement. Um, I think every country has its own characteristics and regulation on how that happens. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just at a high level, I think it's important to set the record on on what 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 we're dealing with. Now, I think the video is obviously one-sided. I'm not surprised that Roblox you know, was a bit aggressive in trying to take the video down and so on and so forth. You know, I, I don't think there was a real, there, there, there was real journalism there. There isn't different voices or opinions. Uh, I have searched Twitter a lot and I saw many, many developers voicing their protection of what Roblox enabled them to do. Now, do some kids take advantage of, of the platform and the fact that it's possible and open? I'm sure, it, I'm sure they do. Um, have some users and kids have been hurt by what's happening? A hundred percent. Do I think the communication need to be much, much clearer that do not expect to start building on Roblox and overnight become a millionaire? Absolutely. There needs to be much better communication in terms of what Roblox provides and it doesn't provide and and manage the expectation of, of these kids and teens who are joining the platform. But I also think that Roblox provides for free software mm-hmm. that teaches kids to code. Roblox is probably the largest learn-to-code platform ever built. Hundreds of thousands and millions of kids have learned how to code starting on Roblox. So, you know, I think it's not a perfect system. I understand some of the concerns that are made in the videos. And and I think there are definitely issues that should be highlighted so kids are not being taken advantage either by professional developers or by uh, uh, peers of their own age. It doesn't really matter. And then one more thing in terms of the currency, I, as Super Social, a professional venture-backed company operating on Roblox, I deal with exactly the same things as, as those young developers. I deal with exactly the same thing when I, know, when I want to convert 
my income to uh, fiat uh, currency from Robux. I deal with exactly the same revenue split rates that Roblox takes. I deal with exactly the same things that a 14-year-old deals with a bedroom. I don't see anyone wrote a piece on, 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 on uh, did a video of how frustrated Yon is uh, for Super Social with the take rate of Roblox. I am. But, you know, this, this is your chance, Yon. <laughs> uh, this is my chance. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> this is my chance. No, I, I, just, I think it's just important to put <laughs> things in perspective. However, again, I do not underestimate the challenges of what it means to operate a marketplace where a lot of the users are underage and a lot of the creators and businesses are actually built and made by kids. And so my recommendation is, I would have loved to see the creators of the videos work closely with Roblox in identifying what are the five to 10 things that are really important that we should work with society, with regulators, with parents, some of which probably Roblox already working with. And then on the other side, how do we educate this new generation of builders? What does it mean to have a business? Because let me tell you, this is not gonna change. There is a whole audience around the world of kids and teens who wanna build games and who wanna make money. And I think that's actually incredible. If we had to wait until 2021, 22 years of age to actually start making money in the previous generations, you can build businesses today when you're a kid. I think that's incredible. We can innovate when you're a kid. And I remember my first company that I started, Kano, a computer company, I had this dream that we can build technologies that enable kids to build the businesses of the future while they're kids. I think that's pretty incredible. I think we should build on it. I think we should make sure that marketplaces like Roblox are uh, 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 either regulated, self-regulated, or regulated through laws and, 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 and agreements that protects kids from being taken advantage, not only by the platform, of course, but also by other kids of their other peers of their own age group. And ultimately use that as an advantage in, in, in enabling innovation to, to the youngest people, because I think that's beautiful. Uh, and so I just wanted to put uh, together some commentary that would be a bit more at a high level than the, the imperfections on the platform and, and, and really the things that, that needs to be solved, because I don't necessarily disagree with some of the claims that are being done, but there are always two sides. Just like a marketplace, every story has it two sides. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Um, I, and I mean, I'm, I'm playing a bit of the, the advocate of the devil here because I'm, I'm, I'm personally like also a fan of what Roblox is doing, but I, I also want to, um, address that there's a reason, for example, why we don't let kids go into casinos. Um, and the reason is that kids are just not old enough to make difficult and important and significant financial decisions. And so I guess... I, I love the idea that, you know, kids are being able to create value and also monetize that value. I guess where I can see an issue arising is when you also at the same time give kids the possibility to put money in to increase the odds of of um of monetizing what they've built, right? Which is what happens when when you 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 tell them like, oh, you want your game to be discovered. You, I guess you're gonna have to pay us. But Nico, um, what's the difference with mobile free to play? If I'm a 15 year old and I'm building a mobile game, I will need to advertise the game as well. I mean, what's the difference, really? Anyone who builds the game needs to advertise the game. I mean, you know, like I would rather a 15 year old put some put like a 50 bucks on advertising a game on Roblox than trying to compete against Zynga and King on mobile free to play advertising on the App Store. I, I guess I agree, but, the, but on the other hand, um, if you're making it so easy to for people to build a game and telling them then uh, this game has the potential to become a multi-million dollar uh, game and, and you could earn serious cash only if you first get discovered for which you need to pay a little bit. Um, I, I, I understand the comparison, but for me... I'm not sure if it, if yeah if I if I I fully com uh, agree with 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 your take. Look, I feel like, can the communication um, yeah. be better? Of course, right? Like, should Roblox promise young game developers that they will make money on the platform? Probably not. So should should they refine and improve the mm -hmm. communication? Yes, and and I think, look, at the end of the day, kids spend money on the platform in multiple different ways, just like they do in mobile games. They spend money on virtual avatar goods. They spend money on items. They spend money on, on access to games and uh, certain uh, purchases inside the games. Uh, and yes, there's a large community of young people, young people who spend money on building experiences and, 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 and sort of advertising those experiences. Um, 
I don't know the details. I don't know if, uh, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm no longer 15. And so I don't know when I open an account as a 15 year old and I become a builder if Roblox identifies that and pushes you messages of like, hey, you may want to advertise. I can tell you super social. I haven't received proactive messages from anyone at Roblox to, hey, go and spend money on advertising your experiences. I think this is just natural, um, just a natural case of the platform. The platform has about 40 million titles available on the platform. By definition, discovery is challenging. Discovery is challenging on any marketplace, let alone a marketplace like that, mm -hmm. that is free. I would imagine, again, I don't know the details, but I would imagine that 15-year-olds who make YouTube videos may spend money on advertising on YouTube. I mean, they probably want to promote their 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 YouTube video, and so I, I I just I just feel like there needs to be a clear distinction. I think what you described is like what happens in gambling. Of course, we don't make gambling available to young people, um, but I don't think Roblox is gambling. I think you're building something on Roblox. You want to see it coming to the hands of a lot of people. It's a very proliferated platform with millions of millions of experiences live on the platform. Discovery is a challenge in that type of environment, just like on a place like YouTube. And Roblox has built tools where people can spend money in, in, in promoting. I do think, just like you do with cigarettes and with gambling, I do think it's important to outline what are the risks associated with spending money on advertising that it doesn't promise success. I think it's likely important to make sure that a 14 year old who build a game on Roblox in their bedroom don't expect an overnight success. And I think it's important that there's work and collaboration with parents as well to make sure that there's enough communication that the parents are also involved and understand not just monetarily with the amounts of money. I think the bigger issue is not the money, it's the emotional uh, damage that could be done to a young person that feels like they failed. I think there's just with mm. the and and with that I do agree with the responsibility with the opportunity of making and democratizing game creation and to some extent business creation to young people. There is obviously an extraordinary level of responsibility that lies with the platform in making sure that. The, com the type of communication and what people can expect when they come to the platform, either if you're the kid or if you're the parent, I definitely think that that's definitely an area uh, to get much, much better at because we all want to protect kids. Uh, we all want to make sure that kids are not only, they don't feel failure, mm -hmm. they don't expect it to be an overnight success. But again, I don't think that's something that applies only to a platform like Roblox. Think about it this way. Everyone now wants to be a YouTuber or a TikToker. Yeah, yeah. We just live in a world where everyone expects overnight success because that's what they see in front of them. And I think it's a bigger social conversation on how do we protect young people when they try and be big stars on a platform like Roblox, TikTok, YouTube, and so on and so forth. And again, this is why I think that the, the piece is a bit biased. These are not challenges that only apply to Roblox. I think there are many, many stories of very happy people who have grown on the platform, made friends. But again, can the communication be better? Probably yes. But I think the advantages of what a Roblox platform provides uh, are, 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 are many. And we, we all need to do a better job as a society to make sure that we have a safe internet for kids, not only as users, but as we see now, many of them become creators. And that's a paradigm shift. I don't think anyone has been ready for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's clear that uh, Jan, you know, found the video, um, yeah, quite one-sided. And to be honest, I couldn't even like watch the whole video because I, like, I do objective analysis as my day job in general, and I just couldn't like. It just felt like a very, very prejudiced video in general. Like everything was just getting twisted into a negative lens, even though like some of the topics that were surfaced were, yeah, I mean, it's kind of for Roblox, you know, it feels like a game of whack-a-mole really like across all these issues. Um, but, but yeah, in general, I found the analysis to be very, very prejudiced and couldn't really get through the video. I, I did have one question though. Um, uh, yeah, potentially to yawn. Uh, has Roblox's target audience focus like always been the younger audience right from the start in terms of what they were building or has that more been like a natural evolution of the kind of audience that gravitated towards the platform? Because if it was a more natural evolution, then I completely agree that with your final takeaway that if your audience is naturally gravitating towards the younger side, 
the importance of you know keeping your communication on point building out systems and collaborating with you know third parties to take care of all these different issues that were popping up all of this stuff just becomes way more important the younger your you know uh, base audiences so yeah so yeah just to say the question again but like has that target audience focus been more a natural evolution or look historically roblox was a platform that allowed kids to build game for themselves and for other kids that's how roblox historically started and I think a lot of that audience ultimately grew with the platform. So now a lot of the developers that started when they were 14, 15, they're now 18, 20, 22, and, and beyond that. Um, but at the same time, other kids have seen the success and joined the platform, right? And so I think while many of the developers are above 18, they generated enough excitement and they built a big enough of a platform for many other kids who are now 10, 12, 15, 14, wanting to come to the platform. So you now have that combination of a lot of developers above 18 and a lot of developers are below 18. Um, historically, the platform very much started, you know, for kids building stuff for themselves. Um, initially, there was an educational element. And I think over time, Roblox probably had to figure out a business model of how are they going to build a thriving marketplace um, and providing opportunity for kids to monetize the experiences. Mm. I can tell you also talking to other kids related ventures, I see ventures today of users who are 11, 10, 13, 12, 13, and those companies are trying to figure out a business model where kids can not only spend, but also monetize some of the things that they create. Um, and I think that's fine. And I think that's a great way to potentially teach kids about financial management and how to run a business. Uh, we live in a world that is very right uh, traditional in our point of view. Oh, if you're below 18, you, are, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. And if you're above 18, you're a grown-up. I mean, that distinction is kind of very artificial. I mean, let's call a spade a spade as well. Now, I'm not saying that we should not be conscious and protective of kids. I'm just saying that in a world, in, in the metaverse, in a world where everyone can build anything from anywhere, the distinction of age is a bit ludicrous. And we need to evolve as a society and figure out how do we manage that? Calling a platform like Roblox that pioneered the ability for kids to build things and make money uh, 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 an exploitive platform is a very narrow way of looking at reality. Again, I'm not saying that some of the things that are claimed are not true or incorrect. That's beside the point. But I'm saying looking at Roblox as an exploitive platform is a very narrow way of looking at the world we're creating. I'm telling you, by the end of these decades, there's going to be dozens of millions of young people around the world who make money by building digital stuff. It's It's happening. So we need to find the right solution mm -hmm. as a society instead of trying to kind of, you know, um, sorry for my uh, point of view, but trying to make some uh, pieces of, of, of journalism that are, you know, very biased and very aggressive without necessarily addressing the bigger issue of society where anyone at any age can create anything digitally at all times. Why is it bad to make money? This is where the world is going anyway. Mm -hmm. We just need to build some regulation and understanding as a society, how do we want to deal with it? Just claiming that Roblox is exploitive, I don't think is going to get us any further, any progress. Is Roblox making everything perfect? 100% no. Are they going to be the one who figure it all out on their own for the rest of the world? Probably not. And should they shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think that video was based, like borderline, mm -hmm. you know, just at the brink of even mentioning the word of child labor in the analysis, to be honest. But so I guess, yeah, that's why I kind of found it prejudiced. But yeah. Are you surprised that Roblox didn't want to engage with the creators of the video yeah. when they are being called yeah. abusive of child labor? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really prompt you yeah. and make you want to work with someone. Yeah. No. It alienates. Yeah. I think if the creators of the video and anyone that cares about the topic really want to make a difference, then I think there needs to be some sort of a coalition that takes care of child rights when it comes to being a creator in, in the internet. And what does that mean? And how do we work across the board with countries and governments? This is a much bigger issue than just Roblox. The world has 2.5 billion people under 18, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, about 10% of them, maybe less because Roblox has many users above 18, are active on Roblox. It's a big number, but it's not the only place. There are people who create for TikTok. There are people who create for YouTube. There are people who create for Snapchat. 
Let's be more comprehensive with our claims and find mm-hmm. solutions that are really useful for society and how we protect kids when it comes to digital creation and business creation in, in the internet. Yeah. Yep. What's your, uh, what's your take here, Devin? Yeah, so uh, I mean, coming from someone who uh, has spent years teaching kids how to make video games and, and something that I, I really enjoy doing because I think, um, as, uh, as Jan puts it, the opportunity for kids to, to make video games, especially when, <clears throat> despite school and all that, kids tend to have a lot of free time and it's a great time to learn to be able to do something like that. All that being said, I am a little bit more on the devil's advocate sort of side uh, in, in terms of what Roblox is doing in not necessarily what they're doing overall because the high level is cool, right? Like give kids the opportunity to make games. I'm all about these kind of UGC metaverse spaces, uh, you know, where people could come on, they can make games, they can explore the opportunities, learn how to do that, learn how to market it, learn how to do all that stuff, right? I'm a big fan of especially mods and, and just ways for kids to be able to develop that. But that being said, it's the way that Roblox goes about it that I think is questionable in terms of the way that they manage things. Uh, I mean, the big big thing to call out, of course, is the split, right? Uh, as Jan touched on a little bit earlier, the split, I think it's fair to call it somewhat exploitative. I think the, the percentage that Roblox takes out of that, because if you think about it, Roblox is basically, uh, in a way, pseudo hiring kids to extract value from other kids, right? Because they're, they're basically giving you a cut to go over to, to Jimmy down the street and get him to, to pony up some of his allowance and take the cut of that. And <clears throat> I know that's kind of a, a rough way to put it, but because the balance is really on Roblox's side in terms of how much money that they're taking, the opportunity is more for Roblox than it is for the kids because they're essentially giving kids a cut of that rather than taking a cut. If, if Roblox was just taking a cut of that and saying, okay, cool, uh, thanks, you know, here, here's most of the, the revenue, cool. But because they're actually really spending a lot of time uh, telling kids you'll make a lot of money, but then only giving a small portion of that, I think there's a, a very clear mismatch in how they're messaging it. And, and obviously that's that's the issue, right? Is that they, their messaging sounds like, hey, come make, uh, come make a ton of money, right? And then that promise doesn't happen. And then that they there's the split is uh is not really the where it should be. It looks like you want to say something, young. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I mean, um, is is mobile gaming exploitive? Is app store exploitive? Let me ask you this: Sometimes. how much? How much? Well, well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The issue yeah. is the broader digital economy. I don't think it's Roblox per se. Let me ask you this: how much it costs and how long it takes to build a multiplayer 3D game world on 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 Unity or Unreal and publish it on the app store? Right. No, it absolutely is. They're providing a service to some extent. Don't get me wrong. No, I, no. one sec. You're talking about the split, right? right? How much it costs? We're, we're talking about like to build a 3D game world on, on Unity and publish it for mobile gaming on the App Store. You, you'll probably need several million dollars, a couple of years, and, and a couple dozen people on the team. Right. Yes, you're going to take 70% of that in revenue, but you're also going to need multi-million dollar venture in order to actually bring it to life initially and by the way even after you spend 20 million dollars on building it you're going to you're going to compete against some of the world's most aggressive mobile gaming companies in in acquiring users so yes you might make 70% but you're still going to need multi million dollar ventures to actually make it come to life um and then looking at roblox yes roblox take a significant piece of the cut but they also provide tools that anyone literally a 15 year old in a bedroom on their own can design build launch and operate a multiplayer 3D game world, and they can make, and they potentially they can make a bit of, a, a bit of money. But they provide all the technical infrastructure. They provide the cloud services. They provide the payment processing with the app stores. For which, yes, they need, they have to take a bigger cut. Now, is that the exact cut that makes sense? Can it be slightly higher, slightly lower? They also provide engagement revenue, which the more engaging your game, they give you more income from Roblox's balance sheet. So I do, I do genuinely think that there is things that Roblox as a platform is doing in order to make sure that this is a, a, a compelling proposition for builders, let alone professional. What a 14-year-old get from Roblox, I as a professional company get as well, right? And so I, I just think that the conversation needs to be, we need to look at all of the components before we make claims just about a platform like Roblox that is exploitive. I think in general, the digital economy is exploitive at the moment, which is why Web3 is being born because people apparently have an issue with Web2 and with the way the web operates at the moment. But again, that's what I'm saying. There is a bigger issue at play here versus let's call Roblox an exploitive digital platform because they deal with kids. 
App Store is as exploitive. Any other digital platform is as exploitive. YouTube is as exploitive because they get free content and what do they give you? Access to advertising. That's what I'm saying. The issue is much, much bigger than just Roblox per se. I think it's just Roblox is an easy prey because majority of its users are above age 18. And I think also it makes a good news story. Let's call a spade a spade. But it's not an objective argument. It's not an objective conversation to just call Roblox an exploitive platform where the entire web at the moment operates in exactly the same model. That's what I'm saying. Well, I think there's there's an interesting analogy, though, and, and also to address something you said earlier there, while I am not a fan at all of age discrimination in kids, you do have to recognize that there is brain formation that takes place over years. So there is a physical basis for some level of age uh, guardianship, sort of. Um, but that being said, I think the, the interesting analogy is something like Uber, right, where the argument is often that they're providing an opportunity. That, that other people wouldn't have to be able to be a gig worker, to be able to work slash chill, as they like to put it. Um, but they also operate in ways that sometimes are a little dubious, right? And you end up, like you said, this is this is a problem that's bigger than Roblox. This is not necessarily a specific thing to Roblox, but I think they're they're an interesting one that is, you know, somewhat been in the news uh, that's not just focused on kids, right? That's not about just exploiting or not exploiting kids. And that in terms of a, a platform, in this case, Uber, who, who takes a certain cut, who provides a certain level of benefit um, that they feel is adequate, that isn't always balanced in in who gets what in terms of the, the value proposition there. I totally agree though with you that there is uh, a risk, there is upfront cost, there is overhead costs, building all that stuff out. And I think the, the biggest thing to, to see from uh, something like Roblox or some of its competitors is the value in creating a an online, uh, social metaverse space that allows you to to create user-generated content like that. And that is a difficult thing to do, right? Like one of the things I'm trying to help kids transition to as well, like when they're building games is going to multiplayer is a huge leap. And, and I totally recognize that, that like going to like a virtual world or something like that, that's that's a world's different uh, than building a single player game where you're just taking Unity and just slapping some assets in there and making some gameplay loops. Uh, so it, it is it is a pretty big difference. And I think the I agree with you that the nuance is more important than just saying it's exploitative, right? Like obviously that's an easy way to label it. I, I like Quentin a lot and I, I like his board game videos and stuff like that, but I agree it was a little one-sided. That being said, I think the whole point is meant to be more of an outcry of like, let's do a better job looking at what they're doing and making sure they're doing the right thing rather than necessarily saying it's one particular issue. Obviously, he comes off as he's a little bit flabbergasted by what he's finding out, right? And I think that's that's what drives the one-sidedness is feeling a little bit surprised that this is going on and that no one else seems upset. Whereas I think there's probably people who are upset and probably people who are fine with it, um, like yourself, right? And I think both sides of the story obviously need to be presented, but I would like to see uh, Roblox make sure they make a good public effort to address like the the issues that clearly some people have in terms of how this is being monetized so that it doesn't come across as exploitative because because you're working with kids like you're already you're already a hot topic like you're already you can't avoid some level of controversy and you have to step up in terms of how you're doing your messaging and how you're handling uh that controversy otherwise you may end up just in a think of the children scenario where they get slapped hard down and then all of a sudden that opportunity for kids, uh, as you see it, is gone because it was mismanaged. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a great take. Um, and I also see that we won't have enough time to uh, to talk about our next topic, which we will we'll take to the next one. No, but uh, it was, this was good. I think it's a, it's a good thing to talk about. And I think it's a good thing for, um, for Roblox to, to work on. Uh, and I think everyone agrees on that. Um, but I think uh, we can also all agree that it was um, probably not voiced in the best way and Probably, uh, but probably if it was voiced uh, or, or worded better, wouldn't have done so so well on YouTube and on the interwebs. So uh, I guess it's a problem of this time anyway. Um, cool. People love bad. People love bad news. People love bad news and kids, kids, kids taking advantage of kids and people calling child labor mm -hmm. are you know big words. So mm -hmm. not surprised. He got a lot of attention. Uh, do I think it's the most effective mm -hmm. way of addressing the issue? No. Do I think it's the most effective way on getting attention from Roblox? No. So I just have a different opinion. That's all. I'm not saying the issue is not there. Mm -hmm. We um, hey, but they got us to talk about it. So um, yeah, there we go.
<laughs> and your um, third topic, you know, yeah, yet another Decacorn is born. I mean, what's the news? Yeah, exactly. Um, let, let's. No, I'm going to keep that for 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 next uh, round. So uh, sorry, guys, if you if you had like a whole essay prepared to uh, to talk about this. Um, and uh, we can do that some other time. Uh, but then it's time for our bold, uh, our bonus segment. So bold predictions, uh, bold predictions about M and A in 2022. Manu, you, you can uh, you can shoot first. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, give give this a little bit of thought. And I guess I was mainly just trying to guess like who else is left to be acquired. Really, like last year was. <laughs> I mean, it was a crazy, crazy hot year for M and A, and. I guess um, this year I probably have my eye on three targets. So I'll, I'll make this like a two-part prediction. Uh, but the first part is three companies that I feel have the potential to get acquired and maybe I would also like to see uh, get acquired uh, just from a hot news perspective. Uh, but it's uh, <laughs> Playrix, potentially Playtika and FunPlus. Um, and this is more like on the mobile side of things, of course. But uh, yeah, these three companies, all I think in the top 15 to 20 mobile game publishers at the moment um, have had their good run, but have also like slowed down to some extent. Platica, I mean, recently went public, sure. But um, in terms of like future growth, I'm not too sure. Um but yeah, these three. And probably the second part of my prediction is if uh, if 2021 was kind of uh, the year of revenue consolidation from a M&A standpoint, then I feel it's possible that this year could be more a year of, you know, user-based consolidation. So more on the hyper-casual and the, yeah, these big user bases that are more ad monetized uh, side of things. Uh, these uh, companies uh, also potentially getting acquired. So, so yeah, that that would kind of be my take at least for M and A in twenty twenty two. Cool, interesting. I like it, Devin. What about you? Uh, mine's a little less mobile focused, and then I think it's um, with it with everyone kind of wanting to be involved in some respect in the blockchain space. Assuming twenty twenty two looks anything like twenty twenty one. Um, I think there's a, there's a good chance someone picks up a blockchain company, uh, blockchain gaming company, just for the expertise in the space. Um, so I mean, who knows? Maybe even like a like Sky, Sky Mavis gets picked up or something, uh, just because the the expertise required to de develop like well on the blockchain is pretty complicated, right? It's not a super simple space. Like mm. while mobile became a pretty complicated space to work in, originally it was just quote unquote another platform, right? So you could feel like, oh, I could dive into that. It's just literally another platform with a little bit distri different distribution model and some different specs than a normal console. Uh, whereas blockchain is such a different beast that I feel like, like you just, at some point you have to go, maybe we'll just buy someone. And I think mm. a, a prime candidate possibly as a company if they still have you know fresh cash left over after that glue acquisition is EA to possibly pick someone up because they've talked a lot of uh, a game about being interested in the blockchain wanting to hire people for it but if they can't find the talent fast enough to be able to do something in it they they will likely I think pick someone up uh, just to just at least have some of the the talent or some of the uh, knowledge something to be able to give them some kind of advantage so I'm that's, I guess that's my prediction is I think EA within the next two years picks up a blockchain company. That's really interesting. I feel like the premium paid there will have to be probably a bit more than 64% um, and and likely also require a significant crypto bear market, which, I mean, is, is always on the cards at some point. You could pay in crypto. You don't have to You don't have to pay in cash, right? You just pay them in like Ethereum yeah. or something. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, cool. Uh, I like that one. Jan, your turn. Yeah, no, very interesting. Um my bet for the year is okay check this out apple buys unity <laughs> wait didn't you say facebook i said it last year and it didn't work so i'm changing i'm course correcting okay. like a like a good entrepreneur and the reason i'm changing the reason i'm changing is because i think apple <laughs> is one of the world's largest uh publishers of games obviously indirectly because of the app store but I think as we talk about virtual worlds, um, there is a certain level of tech that, that, that you need. And I think it would make a lot of sense for Apple to acquire Unity. Um, it could potentially, the first choice would be to acquire something like Epic, 
games, even though there is the <laughs> hatred over there. Uh, but, you know, I don't think Epic will be acquired by Apple. I, I do think Unity would make a, a fantastic... Um, a fantastic choice. And to be honest, Unity is trading at, I think, about what uh, 1% of Apple's market cap at the moment. Uh, and mm -hmm. Apple, enormous amount of cash, provided an opportunity to acquire something like something like Unity. If they, do if they do subscribe to metaverse and virtual worlds beyond sort of AR. Um, and so that's kind of a far-fetched bet for sure. But I want it to be bold and very wrong potentially. Mm -hmm. I like that one. I like that one. It feels like within the realm of possibility because, as you said, uh, for Apple, it's uh, it's it's not that big an acquisition uh, with with the money and valuation that they have. Even um, at a double, right. even at a premium of a hundred percent. I also think Jan Jan just wants. Uh, are Are you a stockholder in Unity? I think Jan also just wants Unity <laughs> to be sold. For just to be reason. clear, I was a shareholder and I sold when I was disappointed <laughs> that they were not acquired by Facebook. So I'm not a shareholder. <laughs> Oh, strong believer, <laughs> clearly. <it>. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. Um, awesome. Well, uh, Devin, Manu, and Jan, thanks so much for joining. Listener, thank you for listening. If you want to continue this conversation, if you want to give your two cents on Roblox and what you think, uh, feel free to join our Discord and, uh, and chat with us there. Uh, if you like what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends and give us a good rating. And with that, the Metacost is out, and we look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.